بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم نحمد الکریم اما بعد الحمد للہ سنائی از دا سیونتینتھ آف جانوری ان دی ایئر ٹو تھاؤزنڈ اینڈ after death and tonight is the sixth session so in the previous session i mentioned the believers return i the souls return to the grave so moving to the counterpart the unbelievers return to the grave so in a hadith in abu daud and ahmad Shaykh al-Bani rahmatullah stated Sahih in Sahih al-Tarqib number 3558. Sayyidina al-Bara ibn Azib radiyallahu relates that our beloved messenger said sallallahu alayhi wa As for the unbeliever, two angels alayhi salatu wa salam of severe reprimand come to him. So note the same wording for the believer. The angels are exactly the same. Two angels of severe reprimand come to him. They shake him, make him sit, and ask him, Who is your Lord? So the difference. When it came to the believer, they couldn't get close. This report, for the unbeliever, they grab him. They shake him. He sits. They ask, Who is your Lord? He replies, Ha ha, la adri. Ah ah, I don't know. They then ask, what is your deen? He replies, ha ha, la adri. Ah ah, I don't know. They then ask, who is that man, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, who was sent to you? He cannot recall his name. He is informed. He is Muhammad. He again says, Ha ha la adri. Ah ah, I don't know. I just heard people say this. He is then told, You neither knew nor did you recite. And a caller from the heaven announces, He is indeed. i.e. a liar. So let's look at this. So it's a sahih hadith in Abu Dawood. So now the obvious question, why doesn't he at least lie? So for instance, you know, how many non-Muslims know that the Muslim's Lord is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? How many non-Muslims know that the religion of the Muslims is Islam? that their Prophet is Muhammad So here Mufti Shafi he mentions in Marif al-Quran that the angels they are they can be lied to they don't know the unseen because this scene involves the angels Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala prevents the unbeliever from like. He prevents him. 
Therefore, in extension, anybody who thinks they can play like the monafics, the hypocrites, think that we'll know the answers, they won't be able to say it. You, you, you are forced to speak what's in your heart. This is why Mufti Shafi went on to explain, Rahmatullah, that on the day of judgment, you get reports where they will lie to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, trying to save their skin. So now, of course, they can't lie to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He knows the unsi. So this is very important to clarify here. Why don't they at least attempt to lie? They can't. So they don't just say, we don't know. Look at the wording. Ha, ha. Oh, oh. I don't know. Meaning they realize they're in serious trouble. Then, when they are told or asked the third question, they say, we heard people say that he was Muhammad. So notice they can't lie. So this sounds like a monafic now. We heard people say. Then the angels say, you neither knew nor did you recite. Notice the contrast. When the Muslim in the grave, he says, I recited the Quran. The angels respond to the unbeliever, you neither knew nor did you recite. And then the announcement comes. He is ready for punishment. In another report, it mentions adding details. In Sayyid Muslim, number 2872, Nasai Tirmidhi ibn Maji ibn Hiban, Bazar Tabarani Hakim, and Shaykh al-Bani Rahmatullah stated Sayyid. In As-Sahihah, number 2628, Sayyidina Abu Huraira, that our beloved messenger said, Sallallahu Alaihi Indeed, when an unbeliever or wrongdoer or hypocrite is threateningly approached from the direction of his head, there would be nothing to defend him. So stop in the report. So like I mentioned, they approach from the head side. Here the Prophet said there's nothing to protect him. So what should have been there? The Salah and the Quranic recital, but there's nothing there. When he is approached from his right side, there would be nothing to defend him. So what should have been there? Fasting. When he is approached from his left side, there would be nothing I to defend him. What should have been there? Zakat. When he is approached from the direction of his feet, again, there would be nothing to defend him. What should have been there? Sadaqa. Dua, walking to salah, rendering good and benevolence to others. Thus, the powerful angels are virtually now breathing upon him. He is then commanded, sit up. And he sits up in his grave in a state of fear and terror. So stop in the report. So like I mentioned, just like predators who encircle their prey, they see there's no protection. So they've got full access to him. And they then say, get up, sit up. He sits up and he's shaking. They ask him, who is your Lord? He says, I don't know. They ask him, what do you say and testify in regards to that man who came to you? He says, which man? He is confused about his name. So they inform him, Muhammad. Look how interesting. He's confused. Why? Because he didn't really believe. So the reality is coming out. He then says, I heard people say things. I said the same. 
They ask him, what did you do in life? He says, I don't know, meaning I wasted it. He is told, you never knew. We expected these answers from you. Upon doubts you lived, upon them you died, and upon them will you be raised, inshallah. So the angels then say, the interrogation has proved you to be unsuccessful. And he goes, you've been now be raised in this state as well. Hamad ibn Salama, a tabi'in who related this report, he added, this applies to one of the people of the Qibla who says the Shahada without certitude in his heart. So he would hear people say something and just repeat what they say. This is in Tabarani. So who is being referred to in this hadith? This is a person who outwardly is a Muslim. Outwardly. But he's not. Meaning he never had certitude. You have to have certainty with regards to the Shahada. Can you have a doubt that there is no God but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? You can't. You know, there is no shock in that. If you have doubt, this is what's going to happen. And, he, and this is what Atabi'in, he added to the report, meaning don't think this is a this is a person who apparently you do janaz everything for him. You wash this body, put him in the Muslim graveyard. But his, his, his reality was known to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is why it's so important that you constantly pray to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. For instance, the hadith is in Tabarani, authentic. The Prophet wasallam he said, Iman wears out in your heart just like a cloth wears out with constant washing. Therefore, ask your Lord subhanahu wa ta'ala to renew in your heart, i.e. Iman. So in this authentic hadith in Tabarani, we are told it's a command. Oh, our Lord, please renew Iman in our hearts. Now, what does that tell you? This tells you that the, the, the natural state of Iman is to weaken. It just naturally weakens, unless you work on it. There's no such thing as a standby Iman. My, my Iman is, you know, it's firm. Are you working on it? No, it's getting weaker. It's wearing out. So look how interesting. Before we make any effort ourselves, we make a du'a. We said, oh Lord, please renew Iman in our hearts. Then of course you make efforts. And Allah Ta'ala will help you. Secondly, in another hadith, the Prophet Sallallahu he said, oh our Lord, give us lasting Iman. Look how interesting. Oh our Lord, Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala, give us lasting Iman. Meaning some people don't make it to the finish line. So the Muslims, the live as Muslims, they die as kafirs. The Prophet actually said that in one hadith. Some people born Muslim, live Muslim, die as kafirs. What happened? Iman wore out. They didn't ask, they didn't make, they lost it. So you say, oh our Lord, let us, like we say, let us get to the finish line with Iman. Let us die with Iman. So here note, these are one of those unfortunates who died without this is what the Tabin was saying. So again, it's very important for us to understand this, that just because you're Muslim, you're not safe. Sayyidina Umar took it to a very high level. He said, if one of my feet is in paradise and the other is not, I still would not be, I, I'm still fearful that I might slip. Why? Because you have to enter paradise. Then you are safe, both feet. So note, this is what happens to the unbeliever. Any punishment mentioned thus far? No. 
the interrogation he's failed so what you can safely say is there is no punishment until the interrogation fails yesterday did i mention any rewards for the believer who passes the test no <laughs> so we can safely say that the interrogation of the believer he passes that takes place first before any rewards are given to the believer and the same applies to the unbeliever and those who are not successful they will fail then after whatever punishment allah taala sees fit will be given so let's move on chronologically let's go back now to the believer in other words what happens he's passed this test so in a hadith in abu daud ahmad sheikh albani rahmatullahi stated sahih in ahkam al janais page 202 sayyidina albara ibn azib radiyallahu he relates that our beloved messenger said sallallahu alayhi wasallam a call a call from the heavens provide him with furnishings from paradise clothe him from paradise and open for him a door to paradise so stop in the report he's passed now the honors give him the furnishings of paradise now what does furnishing mean furniture so what what image do you get you get the image that your grave is now being made into a kind of a chamber an honorable chamber and you are being furnished with the furnishings of paradise imagine the drapes of paradise whatever there is clothe him from paradise meaning give him the attire of the people of paradise and let him see paradise open a door for him so even though he's given the chamber of paradise allow him to look into paradise then the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said those he receives bliss and perfume from paradise and his grave is spread to the limit of his eyesight so now is barzakh the person goes how many people buried in the graveyard you say thousands or hundreds so how could each grave be as if they believe us be as wide as the eyesight so we don't use physics the prophet said it we accept it so even though you are going to the grave it still looks like a 6 by 6 or whatever 6 for grave if they have passed this is just the outward inwardly there's a huge meadow for them up to the horizon that's how huge the chamber is they give him perfume of paradise then the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said before him appears a man with a handsome face immaculate clothing and a pleasant smell so his his grave has changed into a chamber of paradise and all of a sudden he sees a very handsome man you know outwardly looks beautiful he's also got a pleasant smell he says to him i the man i bring you glad tidings that will please you tidings of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's acceptance and of gardens of eternal bliss this is the day that you were promised the dead response glad tidings of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from allah subhanahu wa ta'ala be upon you too but who are you your face indeed is one that brings glad tidings so what's happened <laughs> obviously he's given you glad tidings you're very happy to see you know a person giving you these glad tidings you respond by saying may allah taala give you glad tidings but who are you 
from your face you look like a noble being he answers i am your pure deeds by allah subhanahu wa ta'ala i only knew you to be quick in obeying allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and slow in disobeying him fajazakallahu khaira may allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reward you with goodness So now look how strange this is. How many people have said to you when you've done them a favor, Jazakallahu khairan. Common. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, if you, somebody does you any good turn, and you, you should respond by saying, Jazakallahu khairan. Because you more than paid back what he's done. Have you ever considered your own pure deeds are going to say that to you? So imagine your own deeds will say to you Jazakallahu khairan So how strange is that? You're my deed Why are you telling me even though I performed you you're telling me May Allah Ta'ala reward you with goodness So it is quite strange But the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam He said your deeds will say this Then the Hadith says A door is then open for him to paradise and another one to the fire. So there's now a door that opens towards the hell. He is told, this, i.e. the fire, would have been your dwelling had you disobeyed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. However, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has substituted it for you with this, i.e. paradise. So this is quite frightening as well we will see hell there's no escape from that but you add to that very quickly it is shown to you so you be more grateful from what you've escaped from because at the end of the day it's all text you know we hear the reports we do get frightened some get affected more than others but you didn't see you haven't seen it once you see it you'll think oh thank god you see that's exactly what you're going to say he goes you've been given paradise mm-hmm. then the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said when he sees what is in paradise waiting for him he supplicates oh lord subhanahu wa ta'ala speed up the arrival of the hour so i may rejoin my family and my property <laughs> so now even though he's in a chamber of paradise When he sees what Allah Ta'ala has prepared, he wants to go. But he knows that he can't go until Qiyamah strikes. So what dua does he make? Make it quick. <laughs> you know, please don't delay the hour. Oh, our Lord, please send the hour. Mm-hmm. Then he is told by the angels, Uskun, rest. <laughs> in other words, you know, you get like adrenaline, you know, obviously physics in it, right? But, You know, he's getting hyper excited, obviously. Who wouldn't if you see paradise? So the angels have to calm him. because goes, Uskun, relax. <laughs> in other words, in good time, you've been honored. Because you will eventually enter paradise. So this is one authentic report. Another adds details. So this is recorded in Sayyid Muslim, number 2872. Nasai Tirmadi Ibn Majah Ibn Hibban, Bazar Tabrani Hakim. Shaykh al-Bani rahmatullahi alayhi stated Sahih in Sahih al-Jamin number 
Sayyidina Abu Huraira radiyallahu anh, he relates that our beloved messenger said, sallallahu alayhi wa a door then appears from his grave towards paradise and he views its grandeur and what pleases and what pleasures, sorry, it contains. So he looks. Now you got to understand this is hard to describe. Seeing is not like hearing. So what actually happens when you see paradise? One report mentions that when you actually eventually enter paradise, you will stand gaping at it. And the angels will have to prod you to, to enter. And one report says, you've been standing here thousands of years. Aren't you going to enter? <laughs> so you're gaping. You know, obviously it happens on the earth. You, you get, you know, you're so amazed, you literally stop in your tracks. But how long does it last? You know, a couple of minutes, probably max. You don't start saying, look at him, he's turning into a statue. <laughs> You know, what's happened? So this is what paradise does to you. So the hadith says, you are shown it. And then he is told, this will be your abode. And this is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has in store for you. Meaning, you know now what's waiting for you. This adds to his joy and happiness. Meaning, he's, he's an ecstasy in the grave. But this excels his happiness. Another opening appears towards the fire. And he sees its various sections crushing one another. He is told, look at that from what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has saved you. This could have been your abode. And this is the punishment that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala prepared for you had you disobeyed him. This is very interesting. Let's open the report. He's not just shown hell. That's bad enough. He's shown what would have happened to him? <laughs> That's a different kettle of fish. So it's not like this would have been your abode, like a general viewing. Imagine seeing the tortures that you would have received. Imagine seeing the punishments that Allah Ta'ala had in store. You see it all. And the angels say, you were saved from that. This further adds to his joy and happiness. Notice that everything's excelling. He's just getting more and more happier. His grave is then expanded for him to 70 cubits by 70 and it is illuminated for him. So obviously the grave expands and it becomes full of nur. He is told numb, sleep, rest, sleep. He says, let me return to my people to inform them about my condition. Look how touching. Now they think of the living. <laughs> Because they've passed. Because look, they've, and it's true. You know, think about it. You're probably in the, you know, family still weeping. People are still grieving. Friends are missing. The one who's departed. Look how strange. He's in ecstasy. He goes, let me just slip by. Like you say, I'll just be two minutes. But they inform him. Sleep as a newlywed person who is only to be awakened by his dearest family member, i.e. his spouse. So the angels don't say, no, you can't. They just reinstate, because look, rest, relax, don't worry. Why? Do not fear or grieve. The Quran is telling you that. What does that mean? Do not fear for what's ahead of you. Do not grieve what you've left behind. They've already been told that. 
those time passes, the Prophet says, as if it is but a nap until Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala raises him from his resting place. This is very interesting. Kiamat strikes very quickly. So think about that. Think of people who've died, I don't know, thousands of years ago. And let's say Kiamat strikes maybe a thousand years from now. How long will he think he's been in the grave? Like a nap. You know, and he has 40 wings. Kiamat struck already. The Prophet said, his body is returned after the trial to the previous state of death. And his soul is placed with the other good souls, which are birds eating from the trees of paradise. So look how interesting the Prophet said, his body returns to death, meaning it looks like he's just dead. And his soul then goes to the other souls, the fifth heaven or the seventh heaven, which I've mentioned. And they eat, which are birds eating from the trees of paradise. So now what's happened, this needs to be explained. Does that mean that you're dead again and your soul is now the only thing that's alive enjoying paradise? The answer is no. The simple answer is the soul is dominant. The body is alive. It's honored by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But just like now, what's dominant? Your body. Your soul is subordinate. It reverses in the grave. So a person still finds it hard to understand. You say, okay, when you're sleeping, what's dominant? Your soul. And you have dreams, true dreams. You see the dead is a true dream. You know, it's not, it means that you've actually met them. How is my soul traveling to meet the dead? They're in the fifth heaven, seventh heaven. The soul is dominant. Yet his body is resting in his, in his bed. What did the Quran, what does the Quran mention about sleep? It is the sister of death. So every time you go into your bed, you literally, you can say you're dead. But you're not dead in the complete sense. There's still a state. But your body is literally now in a state of death. So this is what it means when the angels say sleep. The body needs to rest. He goes, now enjoy yourself. Now why is this important to highlight? Because when people come to visit you, the soul then returns to the body. And it's not a difficult matter. Don't start thinking, oh my God, he's going to travel five realms to get back to wherever he's buried. No, very quickly. Just like when you wake up, <laughs> you don't start thinking, that took a long time for me to wake. You just startle, you're up. The soul returns very quickly. Then the conversation takes place between you and the living. So, And also the hadith mentioned you should sit when you visit. Because when you stand, it agitates the dead. Because they think you want to come for a very short stop. So when you sit, it makes them comfortable as well because they know that you're going to spend some time. This also indicates clearly that you're not going, you're not visiting a grave. Some people, they've got this mentality, I'm going just to pay my respects. And then you ask them, what do you mean pay your respects? And when you push them, when you prod them, what do they say? He goes, oh, I'm going to his grave. And they're talking about a grave. And then you think, no, no, you're going to visit him. And he goes, no, but he's dead. And he goes, yes, he's dead. But are you not aware that he's aware of those who come to visit? Right? So all of this is, I'll get to, but this is why it's important. So the soul still has a connection with the body. And 
when they come to the grave, this is another important point. Logically, you're thinking, why have you taken them out of paradise? <laughs> it's better for me not to go to the grave. <laughs> Imagine you're then in Jannah eating from the fruits of paradise. Next minute, oh, you, oh, oh, right, I'm going to get back to you know, shy greens, right? And then, so don't, why is that ludicrous? Because the grave is a garden of paradise for the believer. So he moves from one paradise to another. <laughs> so he's not coming to the world in your sense. He's still in paradise. But he's gone back into that chamber. Right? To converse. You can also instruct them about what's taking place in the world. Because they don't really have much knowledge. Whatever Allah wants to give them, you can tell them. So-and-so's got married, so-and-so's fallen ill, make dua for them. So-and-so, everything's fine. And look how strange, you're, ask, you're actually asking them to make dua for you. But really, is it strange? No. You know, who can be more sincere than you? the loved ones who've passed away? Another whispers people get, how do we know they're successful? So God forbid, you're going hoping that everything's gone well, but what if they're not? So the response is, that's not your domain. The believer is judged according to his intentions. So God forbid, they go, they, they're not there. They see Jeep getting wasted, right? So you don't lose out. Your intention is to show love and respect, honor. You will be rewarded. However, nothing really is now taking place. Why? Because he's not returned. How can he return? But that doesn't really apply to you. You're just doing it because you are expecting mercy from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So again, don't let all these whispers you know, take place to deprive you. And of course, to crown it off, it's a sunnah to go to the grave. The Prophet visited graves. You know, if there's no point in visiting graves, what did the Prophet do? So again, not all of this can be also uh, deduced from these various reports, which I'm going to mention in the next few nights. So all I mentioned was, I talked about now that the unbelievers, they will fail the interrogation of the grave and the details from the authentic reports. And then I've now gone to the outcome of success for the believer in the grave. How is how are they honored by Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? And notice nothing is left to chance. Everything is mentioned in detail by a beloved messenger sallallahu alayhi wa Are there any questions you like to ask? سبحان ربي حبيبي سبحان الله وما بحبك اشد ولا اله الا انت استغفرك اتوب اليك وتوب اليك وشنان جيم سبحان ربي رب العزه عما يصفون السلام على المرسلين الحمد لله رب العالمين بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم والاصل الانسان لفي خسر الذين امنوا واعملوا الصالحات وصبر الحق وصبر الصبر صدق الله